Blog Talk Radio. my family success success i wanted to be about all of our family success 
I don't want to see just my children be educated. I want to see all the black children be educated. Do I want all children educated? Yes, but especially black children. Why? Because they represent me. They represent my struggle. They represent my progress. They represent my past as well as my future. So if I'm loving myself, I'm going to help make sure that that happens. I want to see my sisters be able to stand strong, to be able to feel good about themselves, to feel like they're protected, to feel like they're loved, to see, feel like they're coveted. That's what I want. I'm married. I got a wife, but I want all my sisters to feel like, hey, at least I love you and respect you in a non-sexual way. I want all my brothers to understand that I want brotherhood with all of them. I want you to know, brother, that, hey, if I say I got your back and I rock with you, I got your back and I rock with you. We might not always see my eye. We might have some dispute that might even have us not even talking to each other from time to time. But I still love you and I still got your back and you're my man, 50 grand. That's what I want from all of my brothers. Now, I get it. Hey, it doesn't always go that way. Some of us just ain't going to see eye to eye. Some of us just aren't going to be friends. Some of us just won't have love for each other. But we still can treat each other with respect and with dignity. And we can always show the love. With that all being said, let me bring in my first Adrian, my brother from another mother, Adrian Mack. What's up, bro? How you doing? What's up, brother Rico, brother Thomas? Good to hear your voice. Good to be back on Rant Radio. And definitely, yes, coming from the frozen tundra that is not too frozen at the moment. So got to appreciate the little warm weather that we do get. It's good to be on. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm glad you're on, brother. I'm glad you're on. And you know what, Adrian? I'm, I'm glad you came on first, man, because I, I want to talk about this blog that you uh, you done and with the uh, inspiration from your wife. Uh, brother, can you tell the audience about this blog and, and, and exactly what made you want to write this blog? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, first, let me give props to uh, my sister, Adrian, Adrian Mack, who's in Atlanta right now. She won't be able to join us this evening because she's a little under the weather, but she's listening right now. And I definitely want to extend appreciation and thanks for the willingness to do this at one point in time and we're definitely hoping to have her on the show soon um so the inspiration behind this particular article on black love um it's really just observing being around and been inspired by the many marriages and unions and couples that i'm acquainted with associated with and get to experience life with Um, I've been fortunate enough to learn from some really solid people who have been married for years, decades or more, and to extract, you know, learn from them, observe them, and see how they handle life together and grow together. And then my brothers, such as yourself and, you know, quite a few of my brothers have, I'm, I'm blessed to be around brothers who are in love with black women, model that and demonstrate their commitment with uh, building a powerful, intricate connection of love. And one of the things that I've observed with this is the love is very much supportive and affirming of who they are as a a people, as an individual, and and it, it pours into the identity. And one of the things that 
I've experienced with my wife um, um, of 10 years and, and relationship of almost 15 years is that when people see us in the community, they say, y'all, uh, a couple people have said to us, quite a few, that y'all just resemble this powerful image of black unity and black love. And my wife and I, you know, we, look, we, we, we hear that and we deeply accept it. We deeply embrace it, you know, and, and I ain't going to say embrace it, but accept it. But we know the dirt. We know the complications. We know the conflict. We know right. the effort that it takes to just be able to coexist and really work on this thing. So, and so we've always kind of questioned, like, what, what, how do we resemble black love? We definitely know we're black. We love our identity. We are passionately, just the same way you just said it a few minutes ago, deeply love our people and want to see the upliftment of our people. But how does that look when two people are just coupled and together? So right. it put me on this quest to observe and to investigate what is black love and to talk to people in the community to try to define it, to research on in, in broader media apparatus and broader cultural media um, expressions to really look back in history to define how marriage and social identity kind of cross, they intersect with one another. Right. And I just became fascinated to really try to understand this thing that black folks have called black love. And that's what propelled me to do this. It's, it's the, really the inspiration of seeing, you know, the people around me, such as you and your wife and my brothers and the people that I've learned from. And then over the years, getting that from community people who perceive my wife and I as being um, expressions of black love. Mm, that's what's up. Yeah, we we get that a lot too. When we uh, out, mm-hmm. when we have people over to the house, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, always ask the question of, you know, hey, you know, what makes, you know, how do you guys do it, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, you get the admiration, and, and you know, when you involve yourself, you don't always see it how other people see it because you're exactly. there. You 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 see, uh, you know, it's your wife, and of course you love her. But you see uh, the the not so pretty moments, but you mm-hmm. respect that too, and you know it, it's kind of cool uh, to see people, um, you know, look and admire that. Uh, I, I like what Brother Olu said uh, when we had a conversation on Sunday when he was talking about how he sees that, and you know it makes him, you know, he wants to support it, and I and I think that that's something that's uh, that's kind of missing a lot when it comes to. Uh, our people in love uh, these days it, it, It's the support So it's always good when you see people who admire it But it's even better when you see folks who support it Don't you think? Mm-hmm. That's right, that's right I think what we tend to do is Not only do we want to be in a loving relationship And have a companion that's human That it fulfills some of the essential elements of being human But when we see it represented in people that we have an identity and affinity to a connection to our ethnicity is related to that. It becomes even stronger. It becomes intensified. And we see this thing called black love and black marriage. And we, we aspire to it. We admire it. We want to um, create it in our own life. We romanticize it and we really try to see how we can fit that. So we become, even when we're single, we become advocates for it 
trying to make sure that we're enrolled, enrolling ourselves, um, not eroding, but enrolling ourselves towards that path to find someone who um, represents us. And that's a human thing. That's a human trait. Um, let me be clear. Some people have had kind of, you know, an, a healthy pushback that when I say it's, it's, it's natural for human beings to use their, to, 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 to select their mate based off their ethnic and cultural background, that is a common thing that's worldwide. It's a, it's right. a human thing to find people that have a commonality, a certain trait, and a certain attribute that you are accustomed and used to and find beauty in that and find adoration in that and find a connection of selecting your mate with that. Now, that doesn't mean it's uncommon for people to date outside their ethnicity. That's been going on for the, uh, since the existence of time. And that's why right. we have the multidimensional and multi, uh, 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 you know, different forms of different groups of people across the world. But it's still in the context of socialization and, and human development, when we're born in a certain place in a context and a time and we're raised in a certain level of culture, we see the beauty and the pain and the struggle of that culture. And if we're growing up for the most part with a good healthy sense or we develop a healthy functionality of who, are, who we are as a human being later on, we see those beauties in our own culture and we want to aspire to have that for the rest of our life. And that goes with how we select our mate, you know? And as I said in the article, if we have a healthy sense of identity, we tend to have a deeper appreciation and affinity towards people of our same ethnicity. Oh, I like what you said. You know, the, the, the healthier the healthier identity. And I, and I think, you know, with this black love uh, that we always try to spread, I think that's what's missing, brother. I think mm-hmm. the healthy identity itself and, and, and who we are as a collective, when I see people, you know, and, and this is my own personal opinion, when I see people who are not in relationships with people who are uh, similar to them, and I'm talking about African Americans because I can't speak about mm-hmm. no other group, uh, mm-hmm. I always question, does that person really have a true knowledge of self, or does that mm. person have a true love uh, for who we are as a people? And the reason what makes me question that is, is that uh, as a black man, you know, I've grown, I grew up with black women. When I think about my childhood, I still think about the sisters who smelled like blue magic. That blue magic <laughs> grease smell, that's still in yeah. my head, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yep. uh, you know, from even the sisters who had the luster curl bags, right? All yep. of that is a part of my memory bank uh, because that's a part of you know the, the nostalgia from that time when we were growing up, when we were coming up. I still remember sisters and the things. Um, I you know, I remember the stuff that sisters was. Uh, you know, doing back in the eighties, in the nineties, and those mm-hmm. types of things, and I'm like. How could you go through all of that with these sisters? I mean, mm-hmm. yo, we, we've had sisters cuss us out. We've had sisters have their brothers want to jump on us. The cousins want to jump on us. But, man, mm-hmm. I would I would do all of that again for a black mm-hmm. woman. I mm-hmm. love right. black women. I, you know what? Here's the thing. I love black women so much. I tell my wife this all the time. If I wasn't married to her, I'd be married to a black woman for sure. Because that's the only – anytime I look at another group of women, and I'm like, oh, she – I, I can see an uh, Asian woman and be like, oh, she's pretty. 
I can see a sister, and I'm like, damn, but she's fine. <laughs> mm. You know, I can see uh, I work with a Moroccan yeah. sister, man, man. She's beautiful, but man, she ain't got nothing on a sister. If I, right. and, and I and I picture myself with with somebody else, and I'm like, it would always go back to me wanting a black woman. So I, right. I feel exactly where you're coming from, brother. That's right, that's right. And I think that's what we have to speak to. You you brought me back with the blue magic because, you know, you remember (laughs) our sisters out there with the barrettes and the first crush you had, you was more than likely somebody or some sister out there with some other girls out there double dutching or they came from the store and they got the the red candy and the Kool-Aid on their hand and, you know, their whole lips is all red and stuff like that. You might probably get your first kiss with that sister, young sister. We remember those images that 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 extends from our experience and our background, but we also know that they're elements that help shape our culture and give us the foundations to our makeup and our identity. And that's the core piece. You can look at other people from different ethnic backgrounds and you can see a genuine genuine beauty of them. You know, they're women. Some are attractive, some are not. But there, when you have a set experience and a history amongst your own people and your culture, and you're, you could be quasi-semi-aware of that piece, there's still a deeper beauty, that fineness that we see in the women of our culture. And I don't think that's unique to black people in a sense of, you know, an Irish man maybe see the beauty of an Irish woman because he right. has that history and experience. So our lens and our orientation to see the beauty of the black woman, of the first one being our mother, and then the second maybe being our sister and our cousins, and those attributes, and then the people that extend beyond our house, it's, it's, it's natural for black people to see the deeper beauty the deeper essence, the deeper attraction with other a black man to see that in a black woman and to see that amongst ourselves. So it kind of does bring the conversation to how are we affected by images of white supremacy and images of internalized racism that will skew, that will misconstrue and distort our own perception of our people. You know, and again, I'm no expert in this. I'm speaking in a generality. Now, let me be clear. I am not anti interracial relationships. I don't I'm not I'm not going I'm not the person to say a black person shouldn't be with a white person. However, this is what I do say to the many thousands of people who are listening. It's not me to judge, but because of our history and experience in this country and our pervasive combat with our psychological um, challenge against the images of the dominant narrative and ideology of this country, it is hard-pressed to say that some of our, uh, how can I say that, some of our ability and some of our our ideas to select a mate that's beyond our ethnic background is not shaped or formed in some way by white supremacy. It did, did, and and it, it goes into how we even view ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like it goes into how we perceive ourselves. I don't know too many brothers who I know who date white women who don't 
and maybe maybe married to a white woman who do, who don't possess some type of conflict with how they view black women. You know, uh, they they buy into the stereotrope stereotypical trope of black women having attitudes or buy into black women being hood or being too raunchy. And they buy this mess that larger dominant nar- cultural narratives try to display and paint about our sisters. And that piece is how, that's one example of how the image of how we're impacted by white supremacy skew our ability to see the deeper love and deeper appreciation of how we select our mate from our own ethnicity. So that's what I'm saying. And when it comes to talking about how love is created, it goes into are people who date outside of their ethnicity really experiencing true love and have a, a, a relationship? I mean, I'm pretty sure they love each other, but are they really pursuing love from the purest form, knowing that they have their own comfortability with their identity and they respect and appreciate the comfortability and identity of the person that they choose? Or is it just coming from a deficiency of a misinterpretation of their own identity? And now let me try to be more kind of clear and concrete with this. If a black woman or a black man chooses to date a white person, are they doing it purely because they have a full understanding of who they are as a person and they have a full understanding of that person being a European descendant and they just truly attract and love that person? Or is it shaded? Is it distorted by white supremacy in some type of subconscious level, you know, and, and that's just my questions that I throw out because it becomes a question. It becomes a conversation of everybody can justify why I chose this person. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm no judge. I'm not no person in any authority on this and make that very clear. I'm no authority on this. However, it becomes, you look, you, you start to observe people and understand their politics and how they view the community, view black people and view themselves, and you start to hear some of that distortion. You start to hear some of those, those images play out. You start to hear some of how the internalization of how they view themselves in juxtaposition to right. black people has really shaped and created the foundation of why they chose a white mate. And that's problematic because it messes up the idea for those who purely are dating somebody knowing that they still have a comfortable self-assured identity of themselves because right it's very few in between you know it's okay. I, I don't i've personally never met a person who dated someone um from a, 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 another ethnicity but they had a real secure comfortable self-perception of their identity and, and, and related themselves to the collective identity in a very healthy way. I've, I've never found that person. I don't know anybody. Do I, do I, am I saying that they don't exist? No, I know they exist. They have to exist. But in America, racism permeates so much of our cognitive uh, makeup on a subconscious and unconscious level that I don't think sometimes we're even aware of how the images of white supremacy really impacts how we perceive ourselves, let alone how it shapes our connection to how we choose our mate. You know what? And that's, I'm glad you brought that up because 
for me, what I noticed out of those couples is one of the things that they hardly ever talk about, or if they do talk about it, it's like a, it's like a five-minute conversation, and, and then it's back to their world or their, That's right. uh, you know, of ignoring. Uh, they don't, you know, those couples normally don't talk about race. They don't Mm-mm. see. They 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 try to see each other as non-racial. I, w- I was talking to a lady yesterday, um, and she was talking to me about a nephew of hers. And she kept using the term biracial, and I, and I just thought about mm. it. And, 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 and you know, she didn't mean harm, but you don't have to mean harm to do harm. Uh, you right. know, when you sit, you, you you hear these terms, and you hear how, um, you hear how in in America how so many things. The term biracial almost makes you want to think things are even. Uh, mm-hmm. How things are evenly split, but we know in this society, there's no such thing. You know, they see you're black. They they don't describe uh, a person, you know, if they're describing you in the police lineup, they're not going to describe you as a biracial person. That's they're right. going to describe you as a black male, black female. But we mm-hmm. have so Regardless many people. Regardless of how light or dark you are. Yep, go ahead. Right, 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 exactly. And we have so many of our people uh, who falsely believe, and this, this goes back to that love of self and, and knowledge of self, that there's some uh, things, even love, that's on an even par. And when you know, when you really love yourself and you and you really know your people and you study your people deep enough, you know that uh, our white counterparts go uh, through different things than we do. White privilege is real. And the thought of, you know, black folks, we do struggle with our own particular image based off of our cognitive selves and how we think based off of a white supremacist uh, structure. So we mm-hmm. don't see ourselves well enough to love ourselves all the time. And a large portion of us who I see, I don't care how natural her hair looks, I don't care how long his dreads is, those are superficial things that some of us wear. And you, you can still see those people rocking the dashiki with a white person on their arm. That doesn't mean mm. that they're sitting at home with the dashiki on having a conversation about Marcus Garvey. It doesn't right, necessarily right. mean that they're going to be sitting up talking about, uh, you know, a Sejuana Truth at home, you know, because she got a natural hairstyle or because she's a vegetarian and, you know, she rocks the dashiki. That's not what mm-hmm. that's about. And uh, w- what I see, brother, and you, you can, you know, you, you can tell me about this, too, because the ethnicity is one part, but it's the cultural aspect of it, too. Uh, being able, when you love your culture and being able to relate to your culture, you know, there's just some things culturally we don't have to say to each other because we understand. The other groups yep. do not understand. And that's a part of love, mm-hmm. too, right? Yes, yes, yes. And, and I think that's one of the tenets of how do you build and maintain black love. You know, I always can't remember which Richard Pryor stand-up it was that the brother talked about, he made a joke about how he used to get over his white wife, I think it was his second wife or maybe his third wife, how, you know, they'll have some communication conflict and he'd be trying to one run one over her, you know, pull one over her head. And right. she'll get to questioning Richard Pryor, and, you know, he'll get stick his chest out and say, woman, it's a black thing. You wouldn't understand. It's a black thing. And right. Richard Pryor, he was, it was the genius of him to be able to make a joke out of that, but to be able to talk about how there's certain levels of understanding in our experience that doesn't necessarily always have to be discussed when two people come from the same ethnic background and cultural background. When I mean ethnicity, I'm talking about identity, culture, and things like that. So there's certain things that 
you know, in the general sense, don't always have to be discussed. You know, there's certain yeah. things in the culture. We can, we can talk about church amongst black people, and there's certain things that don't even have to be said. You just know what it means between a couple, you know, if a, in, in the general sense. You know, some people don't always have the preview to be able to understand some of the pieces depending on how they was raised, but there's certain things that don't have to be stated. But right. even with that, I highlighted that in the article that we do still need to enrich our black love by talking about those things. You know, we, we have to talk about our understanding of manhood and womanhood and how we've been socialized with that. We discuss, we discuss the principles of some of the lessons that we learned about being a man. We discuss right. some of the principles and lessons that we learn about being a woman. And then we also meet each other's family. If the union, or even if we're married, if we're at that point where we're introducing and connecting on that deeper level, we want to talk to the people who's helped socialize who we are because mm. it helps with those conversations of those things that we don't always have to speak about. But if, right. when we speak about it and bring it to fruition, it helps us to have a deeper, richer understanding of your experience of blackness and my experience of blackness and how it shaped our identity and how that plays a part into how we com connect, communicate, commune, and really build this thing that we call a relationship or black love, you know, mm. and that's, that, that, that's a, that's a deeper commit, you know, that's a deeper action because how often in our relationships do we talk about, our understanding of manhood. How often well, you know, do we and, and, talk about, you know, our understanding of womanhood? Go ahead. You know, and and that's something that that I find, you know, that that's something that that needs to be talked about a little bit more. And the reason why I say that is, I noticed that it's a lot of misconception what a real man is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of right. it is because, you know, especially in, in, in the black community, for you know, growing up in the seventies and eighties and nineties, a lot of absent fathers. So. Yep. Conception of what a real man is, most of the time young men get it from their moms. Their moms telling them what a real man is. Well, it's hard for a woman to tell you what a real man is. And then sometimes they get it from bad examples, you know, whatever is, whether it's on the television, maybe an uncle, uh, maybe a neighbor or what have you, uh, hustling on the street. So, yeah, you're right. That Those are some of the conversations. Same thing with womanhood. You know, a lot of things have been shaped by outside forces on what a real woman is. And in the exactly. end... If we do have those conversations and we do have those dialogues, it helps us all, you know, on that journey where we can walk through it, talk through it. You know, I'm always interested to talk to people about uh, their parents, their grandparents, uh, the journey, you know, like the relationships they've had in the past, mm -hmm. some other parents and grandparents with other people to see exactly how it shapes the individuals that I'm talking to. Because you see a lot of similarities. You see a lot of similarities that don't fall to, you know, where where you, you, you see uh, the cycles you know, are repeating without mm -hmm. the person that you're talking to can even see that, hey, you, you know what? My grandmother went through this cycle. Then my mother went through this cycle. Now I'm going through this cycle. And we, cycle. you know, you can't have that conversation, in my opinion, with people who are not familiar with our struggle. And what I what mm -hmm. I find, uh, and, and, you know, it. And I know Brother Adrian, you know, he said he ain't the one who talk about, bi you know, interracial couples. I'm, I'm going to be the first one to say, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I do not promote it. 
And I'm not trying to hook nobody up with if I if I say I'm hooking you up with my brother, I'm not hooking you up with one of my brothers. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna hook no white dude up with no sister I know. You you understand? Mm-hmm. Because to me, I feel like some of the ma- major problems that we have as people is we don't love ourselves anyway. And we're right. damaged. And most of the time when we do date outside of our realm, what happens is we're dating outside of our realm, not because of that health, but because we want to belong to something else. And we start mm-hmm. looking for people to belong to, and then we get taken advantage of. You know, yeah. I, I've met sisters who married white guys who got beat on. I've met sisters who said, well, I ain't going to mess with brothers because they cheat. Then they get with a white guy, and a white guy cheats on them too. I met brothers mm-hmm. who say, hey, I don't want to deal with sisters because they got attitudes and they play games. They marry white women, and they find out that those same white women have those games. Uh, they, they, they have attitudes as well. And the difference is because of white privilege, you have to succumb to to that a lot more because they have the system on their side. And when I say they got, it, it's, not when, it's not like child support. I'm talking about they got the cops. They got the judge. And, you know, brother, if you got a white woman, man, you might not survive a 911 call. <laughs> you might not survive it. And, uh, you know, that's what time it is. But, you know, we got a caller. I want to bring the caller in, but I also want to say if you're a woman and you're listening to this show, please call in, 347-826-9600. I would love to have a here. Sister, tell me what they think black love is uh, to them. And the reason being is Sister Adrian could make it, so we definitely would love to have a female uh, side of, of what they feel like black love is. And you know what? You know what, sisters? I want you all to tell us, brothers, me and Brother Adrian, what can black men do to improve the relationship of black love with the women around our uh, in, in our communities around the country. Let me bring in Brother O. Hey, Brother I Thomas. That's his okay. Yes. Okay, Brother Thomas. Um, but, but why oh, Brother O is coming in? I gotta respond to your piece just real briefly. I definitely okay. think that uh, yo. I want to make sure I'm clear. I don't promote interracial relationships. I'm just not anti-interracial relationships. Now I agree oh. with you. I, if I, I'm, I'm probably not going to be the person that will have a monk friend and my monk friend is interested in the sister and I'm trying to make that connection. I'm I, you on your own with that one. I'm, I, that's not me, but <laughs> I'm not going to be on no campaign saying black people shouldn't date outside of, you know, I, I just not going to do that. I got it. People have their own personal endeavors, their sure. personal journeys and their personal connections and stuff like that. And I think what you highlighted just a few just a minute ago was perfect because it just talked about you detail how those distortions that we have and we perceive about black men and black women has roots and those roots are usually stemming from stereotypical tropes and images of white supremacy go ahead hey well i want to bring brother owen hey what's up brother what's going on brother how y'all doing i'm all right great Man, I, I'm I'm glad to be a part of tonight's discussion. Um, I'm, I'm sad to hear that the sister could make it. Uh, I definitely want to hear a, a woman's viewpoint. Um, uh, I'm in love with black love, um, the potential of it, um, the the sincerity and realness of what is black love. Um, I, I am a brother that is in search <laughs> of, of 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 that sister out there for me, and. Um, we didn't really. Well, I, I just tuned in maybe five minutes ago, so uh, I'm 
I'm not going to really give my definition of of what black love is just yet, but I will say this, that far too many of us uh, in our community or in our people uh, have fallen for the okie-doke when it comes to the availability of one another. Now, what I mean is simply this. I'm seeing way too many sisters saying there aren't good brothers. I'm hearing way too many brothers say the same thing. Uh, the truth is that black love is so powerful that even though a lot of us have yet to find it as far as finding that specific person, we're in search of it. We want it. It's something that's desired. There, there wouldn't be a complaint or debate about it if people didn't want it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I look at what um, you have with your wife and what, what uh, TB has with his, and you know, there's there's the good and bad and the ebb and, and flow in any relationship. But I think that even in today's society, there's something um, that moves the soul when when a brother finds that sister or when a sister finds their brother and, and that unites us in the struggle that is this world uh, when you find that. Um, I am single, and I, I've had many a lonely time period since I've been here. And I think at my age, it's not just, no longer a, a volume game; it's a quality game. It's finding that one specific person, that one special person. But um, so many things almost have to fall right nowadays, and I feel like a lot of people no longer have a, a faith or belief that it's that is there. Um, and I believe it. I, 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 I feel like wherever you are, you know, whoever listening to this program right now, whether you are in. New York or Chicago or Miami or, or Florida or, or wherever you are across the nation, um, what you're looking for specifically might not exist where you are, but it's there. It's somewhere. It's just a matter of being open-minded enough and patient enough and diligent enough to, to know that it exists. And it, it might be something that you need to improve, improve within yourself to find that love, but we're all worthy of that love. You feel me? Yeah, that's deep. That's good. No, and I, and I agree with the worthiness. I, you know what I what I honestly believe though is, is I, I I believe that somewhere somehow it, it, you know what I, and I just saw a stat today. I don't want to tie this stat into it. It was talking about teenage pregnancy, and I think in the nineties the the whole goal for teenagers to not have babies. Right, and the conversation about what you need to have and what you should have to have uh, children. I think people listen loud and clear. But I also think that they shape a lot of ways in how we receive one another in relationships. And I think that we, we still are, just like how we had, you know, the, the, the war on drugs and, and, and we, we suffered from that. I think in a larger way we're suffering from not really listening with our ears and seeing with our eyes and loving with our hearts. I think a lot of the stuff that we, how we treat each other is based off of statistics that are kind of meshed up and it really don't make sense about how many black men it is, you know, ratio to black women. I think that was a bad one. I think that made a lot of brothers treat sisters ways like they, you know, Adrian, they were always almost treating sisters like they come a dime a dozen. I can mess up with this good sister and I go go find me another good sister because, hey, the number says 15 to 1. I got 15 tries to get it right instead of saying, you know what, I meet this sister, I'm going to value her for who she is, and I'm going to treat her like there's no one else left. 
And if it works out, hey, I got me one. But if it doesn't, at least I know I gave it my all. And I think that brothers, and, and, and this is where social media, dating websites, this is where I disagree with a lot of that. I think that brothers have become addicted to window shopping. I think sisters have become addicted to window shopping. Yeah, you, you get a few times where you get to try the clothes on. You understand what I'm saying, Adrian and, and Brother O? Where you get to go yep. in the dressing room, put the clothes on. You might be able to have a little bit of hanky-panky on the side. But nobody really wants to be committed to buy the clothes anymore. Everybody mm. are kind of like using the excuse of the, the superficial stuff. Well, he doesn't have the kind of job that can provide. Or she doesn't she doesn't twerk. You know, it's something silly like that, you know. Like we're not we're not using uh the, the senses that God gave us to recognize, hey, you know what? This sister actually loves me. You know what? This brother actually loves me. I got a lot of flaws. This sister sees through my flaws and she's willing to work with me. Or or, or vice versa. And brother Adrian, that's what I see a lot. How about you? I do. And um I think it's more so that I think black women understand black men on that level like that. And they, because of their experience with black men in their life, whether good or bad, can set a standard. They have an expectation. And that expectation and standard is culturally informed. It doesn't mean it's always right. And it doesn't mean that it's always legitimate, you know, or or uh, well-informed, but it's culturally informed. So it takes a sister to know how to push a brother. It takes a mm. sister to know how to hold a brother accountable. It takes a sister mm. to be able to understand how that brother ways is to be able to say, no, you ain't hitting the mark right now. You know, I need you to step it up here. I need you to provide this, or I need you to grow in this area. Now, we're right. not perfect people. We're complex so I think we mentioned this earlier that in a lot of instances when we're talking about our manhood and womanhood developments, some of those things are very skewed by cultural media images. Some of those things are very skewed by our own experience being socialized in our families. And that's why having those conversations as a foundation to build black love becomes so essential. It's indispensable because you're, mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're unpackaging the layers of your perception of being a man and how that corroborates with her perception of being a man. And then vice versa, you're, corrob- you're having a discussion of how you view women and what does a woman look like in your mindset and her right. perception of what it means to be a woman. And then those conversations become rich because if the goal is to really support and build this union, ultimately marriage and a long-lasting companionship in black love, then you want to be able to unfold what your conceptions is of what it means to be a black man and a black woman and then be able to edify it, to be able to change it, to push it to grow. Because we don't all walk into relationships or to start dating and stuff like that and window shopping 
you know, with the right perception. And I, I like that metaphor because sometimes when we're window shopping, a lot of times we're window shopping to try on other things. Like I think that's what you was intending to say, window shopping right. with other people, other ethnicities, folks from uh, who's different from our own background, just to see it, just to, 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 to say we've tried it on. And that can get us in a lot of trouble. That could get us in a lot of trouble. And I think some of that, that behavior is rooted in some type of kind of conflict of how we perceive ourselves. But that's that's a different subject. Go ahead. No, I, you know what, and I agree with that. But, I, you know, when I was saying the window shopping, I, I meant, you know, I meant all ethnicities, you know, I, even our own. But definitely with other groups, that's definitely true, too. A lot of it is a lot of experimenting, and, and it does. You know, what I... What I, uh, I used to have these conversations with sisters, and they would get so offended. I would always point out that a brother, and this is true, brothers, we feel a certain way about the white man. This is this is the heart of all heart. I, I don't care if you find a black man who's dated a gazillion white women. We feel a certain way about white men in general. You might have some white friends, might have some white folks we cool with. But when you really talk about the essence of the black man here in America, we see the white man as enemy number one. Whether it's the police, the judge, the prosecutor, whatever, it's all the man. Your boss at work, the man. The man is the white man to us, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If you see a sister who sleeps with your enemy, if you a conscious brother and you love yourself and you love your people, it's going to Man, bring up conflict. Mm-hmm. That's going to bring conflict up in that relationship, and she might not be able to rebound from that relationship like a brother might be able to rebound from it if he dated a white woman. Now, I'm not saying that that's just. I'm not saying that that's fair, you know, for some of y'all who say, what, what do you mean by just? Uh, but I will say black women will have a harder time rebounding from that than black men. And part of it is because black men really, once again, we we have that relationship with the white man that's so adversarial that we really look at it like it's true betrayal. Now, what I will say on my sister's part, if you're a brother and you're dating outside of sisters, when you slip up and you get slick at your mouth, out your mouth, or you try to treat that sister less than the queen she is, the first thing that she will remind you is she ain't no Becky, and she ain't going to go for it. What do you think about that, brother? Hey, I, I, I have to agree with that. I mean, it's I kid you not, man, when you look at Minnesota as, as ground zero for this conversation, it, it kind of makes it even realer, if that's possible. Um I, I, I've said it uh, on, on numerous occasions. I feel like nobody can love or understand a black man like a black woman can. But when you look at the culture and how much we've allowed it to to be usurped, and when you look at how many people aren't happy with who they are, uh, aren't happy with their, their heritage or their culture, it's a lot of us running around you know, in, in brown skin with, with, with the insides of white folks. Um, I'm, I'm very... Uh, very aware uh, of my blackness, and I love it. I wouldn't change it for anything. And when I think of commitment to a sister, when I think about what she's going to inevitably bring to the table, I think about my future offspring. And 
I love being black. I love being a black man. Struggling all, I, if I if I could create myself over, I would still be a black man. I, I need a woman that 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 has that same sort of self love, that same viewpoint of us as a people. And there's a lot of confused people around these days that they just don't see it the same way. They see it as an issue or a problem or, or something they get over. Um, at the same time, I can understand, especially, you know, I'm 39 years old, um, ready to be in a committed relationship. Um, I feel like even though I've heard a million people tell me, oh, you got a long time and this and that, it's almost like you said about the window shopping. Um, people start falling in love with the potential of the numbers and not looking at the reality of it all. Um, in, in totality, on its face, I kind of feel like we we are in a microwave generation. Everybody wants the baby, but nobody wants the labor. Mm-hmm. And quality yeah. relationships take time. They do. Um, yeah. I, I know for me, my biggest issue, or one of them is, is meeting the sister and, and feeling like, hey, you know, this is a, a woman. I've not wasted my time with you. And the conundrum with that is, is you won't know whether somebody's worth the time until you spend time to get to know that person. Mm. But so many of us are, are trapped in. I, I'm not trapped with the money thing. I give a flip what a, what a, what a, what a woman makes. Uh, I'm more concerned about how you treat your fellow man or your fellow person. I'm more concerned with your dreams and your aspirations and you have a plan to get there. I'm, I'm more concerned with the quality of person that you are. Um, but everybody has their thing. You know, for some people it's finances. Some people it's looks. We all have these uh, dreams and notions in our ha- head of what we want that uh, ideal person to be. And a lot of times it's not that. Let's be real with ourselves. And I think when you add what's going on with us as a people on top of that, it makes it even more difficult. Um, I agree with you guys on the betrayal thing. Uh, when I f- first moved here, my little brother took me uptown, and I saw uh, a plethora of attractive, young, beautiful uh, sisters with white boys on their arm. And coming from Alabama, <laughs> I didn't know quite how to take that. Um, at the same time, when I approached, uh, different sisters since I've moved here from the South. Um, what I get from them when I do get conversation is a disbelief that I'm my age and I don't have kids, or I get um, what's my thought process, you know, what am I after. Um, and and I, I got to say, as a people, we just got to do better with when it comes to respecting each other, um, dealing with each other, and talking with each other. Um, that that really needs to improve. It, it's to me at an all time low right now. Mm. You know, let me um when you say, you know how it brings uh, a betrayal piece. I think I want to qualify what I mean by that. It makes sense for any person, any black man who has a genuine understanding about the historical experience of our people to feel some type of way and have certain thoughts when we see a sister with a white man, because we are, we, I can't say viscerally, viscerally, but we're cognitively aware of the historical relationship between black female bodies and white men's access. 
So mm-hmm. right. whether we've personally experienced it or whether we've read about it and seen it depicted in images across uh, film and production, we it pulls up something for us. So I, I see that. Now, one of the things I do have to say is that I suspend and do the best that I can to suspend judgment. My earlier piece um, with how black men choose white women, um, my experience and my uh, claim to that is that only thing I can say is that I've had numerous conversations with black men who have dated white women or currently with white women. So I can't speak for sisters dating white women. Okay. I have to let sisters do that. Um, I don't know. I don't know too many sisters. I, I, I probably, I'm pretty sure I can know a handful, but I don't know their personal makeup and socialization that help them to arrive at the white person that they're with. My hopes is that if we live in a society where black people are trying to um, supersede and overcome the conflictions that we have with dealing with internalized self-hate because of white supremacy, if you are looking for the quality of the human being and you really want to pursue true love and you don't care what the package look like, at least be able to do that with a sense of affirming your identity as a person, which that's something that I don't have. I've never seen that in interracial relationships. I'm not saying it don't exist. I, in my own personal, small, minuscule world that I've seen in the 30-something years that I've been on this planet in Minnesota in this cold tundra, I have not met too many brothers who have this strong sense of, yeah, I love my people and strong sense of identity, but they have a European-American female woman on their side. I've never met that brother. And I've never and you know met what? the sister, and I don't have the conversation enough with sisters who date white women enough to be able to say that, so that's not my piece. I've just never met a brother who's fully immersed in our history and experience and have a deep love for his people and has a white woman on his elbow and how, how he's made that work. I've never met that person. The brothers that I've interacted with have all kind of demonstrated in the thinking, very accommodating ideas, very assimilative approaches, very conflicting ideas of race and social relationships, and very, um, to my perspective, and it's almost very distorted views on how black people is dispositioned in this country. So, and that tells me, hey, you know, we all have our different levels and dimensions on how we deal with internalized racism and white supremacy. You know, and I and I want to say this too because I, I had that conversation uh, in a, in a Facebook group uh, earlier this week, and, and the sister said that they know brothers who have who are supposed conscious who have uh, you know they name white women or and and I, my response to them was you know I, I never I have never met a what I would consider a conscious person, and and I and I want to point out conscious is not a guy who, because he rocks a dashiki or because mm-hmm. he wears red. Uh, he knows mm-hmm. a few facts. Maybe, you know, he studied, studied a little bit of knowledge himself. Maybe he knows a little bit, you know, he was a 5% of once upon a time. Maybe he used to be a part of the nation in training. It doesn't necessarily mean that he has full <laughs> knowledge himself. And and, and that's, the, that's the one thing that I always caution sisters on. 
and brothers. You know, a lot of us know how to look the part. And that's what I meant earlier in the show when I was talking about sisters who wear natural hair. And they might rock certain garbs and they might look like they're Afrocentric. When they really talk, they are not Afrocentric whatsoever. They might be at the poetry slams and they know all the slick vibes and everything. And they might smoke the ganja, you know, and listen to Bob Marley. But that doesn't make them Afrocentric. That just means that, you know, that that, that just means to me uh, that they might have, you know, they, they like they like what that what that arena brings. But it doesn't mean that they are conscious. That doesn't mean that they're waking uh, to the plight of black people. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I wanted to state, too, was, you know, as far as black women, what I really mean by that as far as uh, sisters who, who do that, I don't, I'm not, I don't believe that that comes from a conscious place. I think that that comes from when we make that decision and when we say those things, I don't necessarily see those people as being conscious. Uh, what I see those people are being is, you, it, me and my wife always had this conversation, and, and she'll tell me, yo, I, I like diverse things. And I always point out to her, because it's white, don't make it diverse. <laughs> because you listen to white people music don't make me you listen to diverse music. It's pop culture. Because you listen to pop culture don't mean you listen to anything diverse if you're black. And, 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 and a long time ago, we used to know that. Now we don't we don't know that. We don't teach our children that. And and the most important thing with black love, Brother Adrian, to me and Brother O, is how we teach it to our children. Because what I see, I, I see a lot of single mothers who are struggling with these boys. And what I end up seeing from these boys, because the moms are not preaching black love in their home, because they're not seeing black love being distributed in their community the proper way, they tend to not even find a black mate. And I find that troublesome. I find it troublesome when I can go and talk to my son who's in high school. I go talk to his, him and his friends, and they have a negative view on black girls. Mm. And mm-hmm. and that's something, that, that's something that's very deep. You know, my son went to prom. Him and another boy, Ben. Out of five black boys, they were the only two who had black dates. Out of five, they were the only two. Now, I want to tell you, at that prom, most of the boys that go to that school are African-American. Brother O can speak to that himself. He's seen it with his own eyes. The majority of them young men do not deal with black women. And I think a lot of it stems from the negative things that we say about one another in front of our children. And I also think it comes from us not having that conversation to our children about black love and the, the importance of it, Brother Adrian. Uh, mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? No, I agree. And um, and, I, I, and I think it's, a, it's indicative. It's very indicative. And what I mean by that is that it's a symbol. It's a symptom of something. Um, and I don't want to chastise my young people, my youth, because the reason why we don't see our young brothers in that high school dating and dealing with black sisters is a failure on our part. It's not their fault. So let me be clear with that. And I think that's indicative of how, and I'm not ranting on black, single black women. Uh, It is indicative on how and the importance of black men been important in the socialization of young black males because they help to pass on what they know, understand, and model 
the respectability, the the etiquette, and the value of appreciating black women. So it's our role as well as black men. Just as well as it's important for black mothers to be able to demonstrate to them the first love of a black woman and the attributes of it, the character, the qualities, and the beauty of it. And though the combination of a black man and a black woman raising and socializing that child in a healthy relationship like that will help those young black men to look at other black women in a school and say, I like that. I don't like that too much and have like a barometer, a barometer, a barometer of how to evaluate what's a good quality sister. So I, I look at that as kind of indicative of where did we go wrong in our generation to where, and I know, and I, I know I've seen what you're talking about in several high schools up here where the brothers out here aren't dealing and dating the sisters and the sisters, the young sisters, my young, beautiful sisters, fine acquaintance and comfortability with the white boys. <laughs> and, it's, mm-hmm. and, and it's not something that bogs your mind. It just makes you investigate and be curious on what's happening in these kind of schools, especially on the fritz of the city and the suburban schools where the socialization is uh, crossing over and, and hindering identity, mm. healthy identity development and self-appreciation cultural and collective uh, affinity what's happening what's happening in the family unit what's happening at home what's happening across the images in those communities to where it's rare or not common i should say not common for young black males to date young black sisters in that type of setting so i do investigate that i question that and i wonder that now don't get me wrong as under just go back to an earlier point i met some phenomenal people phenomenal, loving people who I truly appreciate, truly appreciate, who come from a white parent and a black parent. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, and I don't think all of us are saying that it's it's a sin. We'll never get on the pedestal or the pulpit and say that it's completely wrong. But what we are highlighting is that when you have a deep appreciation for black love and you have that true of, uh, affirmation of your identity, it, it will raise some thoughts. It will create a little awareness when you see interracial relationships between black and white. And it might be like that when you see black with Latino, black with Native American, which 80%, 90% of us have Native American in our ancestry. Um, when you see that with a Hmong person, when a black person goes, you see that, and especially in North Minneapolis, there's a lot of Hmong and black babies around here, and we have to talk about right. that one day. But we, we see that we, you, it does make you ask that question, like, whoa, where was that brother or that sister at in, in that choice selection, and how does that work, and what was their experience? Again, we're not judging anybody. We're just making observation on how a lot of these bigger things play into our everyday decisions with selecting our mates. And the promotion of black love. I got a sister on on the line that want to chime yes. in. Hey, all right, Sister Capri, what's up? How you doing today? Because I've been listening, and since ain't nobody, no female saying anything, I want to say something. <laughs> it's always you. Thank you. Welcome, sister. Thank you so Welcome, much. Welcome, sister. Thank you. 
Um, for me, growing up here in Minnesota, I feel since even a teenager that black men have been throwing us under the bus for the white girl, the Indian girl, the any girl with the silky hair, pretty hair girls, mm. and all of that kind of thing. You all have thrown us under the bus. And I know brothers always talk about how we throw you all under the bus. But, you know, um, it has really gotten to a point where, yes, I tell my sons, because they go to a school with predominantly white kids, but I have the discussion with my sons that I would prefer you to be with a black girl. That is my mm-hmm. preference. I, that's what I want you to, to be with. But I'm not going to lie. The way that these young ladies are being raised now, mm. Mm. because it's hard for me as a mother to say, be with a black girl, but this girl is a tot. She got her butt all out and not doing what she needs to do. That's just like, for instance, uh, Steph Curry's wife, how people tried to bash her for saying, that I'm going to be a respectable woman for my husband. Like, who? how do you get bashed mm-hmm. for wanting to be a respectable woman for your husband? Mm. Like, what, what society are we living in where that's not acceptable, where you're supposed mm. to just show everybody and conduct yourself in such a manner that is unacceptable? And the reality of it is, yes, I want my son to be with a black woman. However... If it's going to be at the detriment of his downfall to be with a black woman, I'm going to have to throw my hands up because mm. not, I need I need I need parents to do a better job of raising their children. Because I mean I'm trying my best, and I know you all are trying your best, but some of these parents are not trying their best. They're worrying about kicking it instead of parenting, and it's hard as it is. I used to work six days a week, but because of my health situation, I'm at home more. And even though I was just, I, now that I'm able to sit back and be a full-time parent, I was really a provider more than I was a parent because I was always at work, at work, at work, at work, at work, and hurry up, just, you know, come home, do your work, put you to bed, and I wasn't able to spend that quality time. And I understand that it is a struggle. But one of the frustrations that black women are having is that we are being left to take care of these children on our own, and we do have to make better decisions on who we're laying with, because I'm not going to point fingers in that game. It's a two-way street. I'm not going to just say men is at fault. We as women have to be more accountable for who we're laying down with, and that's self-included. You know what I mean? So, um, now that we're in this society where we keep on throwing, I think just like you were saying earlier, we're throwing each other under the bus. Black men are throwing us under the bus. Black women are throwing black men under the bus. And I think for, especially for a black woman, the statistics are there. We're not getting married. And it's not fair to say that we're not deserving of that just because we're a black woman. And for me, for what I see a lot of when the discussion occurs about crossing over, it is because I'm tired of a black man. He want to lay up. He want to play house, but he don't want to marry. 
And if your value system says I want to be married, then, you know what I mean? Because I'm at a place where, honestly, I haven't even been on a date in the last two years, strictly because the last two times I've been on a date, as soon as you go out with me, you think you're supposed to get some butt. Seriously, you think the wind is going to get you some butt? Can, can, I, can I interject? Can I interject? Let mm-hmm. me interject. One minute, because I because I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I just want to really touch on some 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 key points of what you're talking about. The first thing mm-hmm. is we're talking about the kids, and, and O knows this from working with children, like I do, and Adrian knows too for working in high school. It's a lot of it, in my opinion, is still a outside influence when we talk about our children, and and and, and, mm-hmm. and Sister Kareem, this is what what I was saying. A lot of it is our children are being raised by people who are not using what they know about our people. Like, you've been black your whole entire life. The one thing we're supposed to know is how we're going to respond and how we're going to act to certain things, right? Because we've been black black our entire life. The one thing you're supposed to be the expert on is blackness, right? (laughs) We... We are at a in a, in a in a funny point where we're almost acting as if we don't understand what each other desire and need, right? Like we know the trends in our community, that's a desire, but we also know what we need too. And you you're supposed to go over necessity before you go with desire. Last time I checked, you know, if you if you're a yeah. smart person, you go with necessity over desire. We're so set right now as a as a collective. I'm not saying the majority of black folks, but a large enough percentage of us are focused on desire, and the desire is what's keeping the black love at bay. Because to me, what I see a lot of times from a lot of us is that we know we need companionship, right? Like, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I'll be the first one to admit. In my lifetime, I can tell you, I wouldn't be nowhere without the black woman. I don't care if it's my, if I'm talking about my mother, my grandmother, my aunties, if I'm talking about my sisters, if I'm talking about uh, my girlfriends, my wife, uh, my, my my female co-workers, my black barber, uh, you know, I I just depend on black women for so much as far as, I'm saying this as a black man, you know, when I'm down, it's a black woman that normally picks me up, and I, and, and I feel like we have turned that off, we've turned that totally off, and I, and I feel like our children are paying the price for that, Capri, that's what I think. I think our children are going through a lot of things because what happens is this, we put these, and, oh, you can speak to this, just just the facilities that we've worked in together, where the girls are mm-hmm. so aggressive that it's almost scary for the boys. No and, problem. and that's what I hear from the teenagers, where the boys are like, look, man, I don't want nobody got to fight. That's a fist fight. They fighting all the time. Man, why would I be dealing with that when you got the little Asian girl, she ain't at school fighting all the time. You got the little Mexican girl, she ain't fighting all the time. You got the little white girl, she ain't fighting all the time. But guess what the hell they ain't at home sitting up watching? They're not watching Housewives of Atlanta. They're not watching Love and Hip Hop. They're not watching these travesty of a show that's teaching young black women. And, Brother Adrian, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, on who teaches us how to be a man and who teaches us how to be a woman. I think the images of what young black women are, are dealing with is what's setting them up for failure. I think those images are so strong because, like Capri said, the mothers can't mother because right now they're just being a provider. And when you're a provider, that's different from being a parent. Am I wrong, y'all? 
No, no, no I'm not. You, and you I'm glad you addressed the images situation because, like, yesterday I just had a conversation with my son. He's pissed as hell because I won't let him play Call of Duty. <laughs> and I'm trying to get him to understand, which he doesn't understand. He's eight years old. Call of Duty is a game that is for adults. Your mind will be conditioned to be violent. And the, what people don't understand, we've been saying it for years. Back in the day, we, there was a big uproar about using the words bitches, whores, and all kind of things in rap music. And everybody wanted to say, it's not going to do anything. Now we use it as it's just second nature. You know what I mean? It's no big deal. And right. people don't understand their minds are being conditioned by what you see, what you hear. All of that plays a part. And so my baby, he's getting mad at me, and I'm like, let me show you what this box says. It says mature, 17 plus. It's a reason that this is for adults because this is not for your mindset. And the people are not taking into consideration their children's mindset. They're letting their kids listen to all kind of ratchet trap music. <laughs> Things that are just not feeding into their spirit in a good way. You know, think, but, Aiden, um, what do you think? Yeah, I think Sister Capri hit it on the nail. Um, I think, Thomas, you, you framed this thing well. Um, and I always, for me, and the, it, this agitates people, our, our people, so much. When we see um, our failure, our, our dysfunctional families, and we see the results of it show up in our children, whether it's through them um, really wanting and desiring to play a violent game that they don't see the connection of how that kind of warps and distorts their view and perception of human beings and the value of human beings. Or we see our young sisters present themselves in society and community in a very sexually explicit way and how that connects to the broader images that they're being bombarded with, you know, it frustrates us. It agitates us. It really gets up under our skin to the point where we tend to turn in on ourselves and really chastise and hammer who we are as a people. And one of the mm. things that I've learned over the years is that it's, it's easy for us to do that because we love ourselves so much. And it, it, it's kind of almost kind of indic- indicative of how much we love ourselves because we're so disappointed in ourselves. But we also have to continue to do the um, uh, educational awareness of the history, the generational effect of how we transmit certain things and ideas and behaviors to the next generation and how that next generation right. absorbs and continues to acculturate our families and the next generation beyond that. And that piece has to be contextualized in the broader system of how America has completely destroyed and de de um, de, de um and created a dysfunctional yeah. condition of black families. We got to keep in mind, this country did not allow for black families to exist. Okay. The operation and the forced condition that we was under because of free labor puts, put us in a position in this historical roots of this country to be laborers. And as laborers, you are a commodity. And in order to uh, produce more commodity, your relationship between black woman and black man had to be strictly on a sexual basis. Now, that doesn't mean that we didn't have some type of connection in some way, but love, black love, matrimony, and being intricately connected into the socialization and raising of our young children was not present. It didn't exist on the plantation like that. It wasn't widespread. We may have had some influence, 
But the biggest person who had more influence on the outcome and the makeup of our own child was the planter, was the uh, the, the the owner, the, the 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 master. So when you go into sharecropping and the images and and the conditions that that created, when we tried to rebuild this thing through kinship, our family setup was destroyed. I mean, our outlook of how we develop value systems and, and structure and presentation were destroyed. And we begin to rebuild ourselves through church institutions and etiquette from, the, uh, from our biblical you know, backgrounds of history. But that doesn't mean that we arrived anywhere. It's always been a constant struggle. And from when you look at our, experience, our economic situation, our political disenfranchisement, and how that plays a part and a man being a man, a woman developing into a woman, and you still have a society that is um, that that completely um, devotes its target and 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 prey on black bodies, the control of black bodies, that really influences how you can feel connected to that black man or that black woman. It impacts the messages and what you understand with building a a black family. When you can't control your own financial situation, you're more than likely going to abandon your family, whether you are a male or a female. History has has shown that the men are usually the ones that abandon the family 10 times quicker than the black woman, leaving the black woman by herself to provide and not necessarily to be a mother because the family structure was completely destroyed. And this was a generational pattern because of those systemic factors and forces and how it's formed and shaped the black family. And when you go eight generations, nine generations down, and you see that sister, that young sister with her, her, her bottom out, wearing certain clothes and you see that young brother who don't have any values towards black women and he choose to date that sister that have the long hair and the lighter skin complexion or even abandon black women altogether and date that white girl a Latino, you have to put that into the broader uh, uh, makeup and context of what has happened to our people. Cause what has what the history and the, and how this stuff affects us on a generational level completely dictates and forms consciously or unconsciously what we do every single day, how we raise our children, how we take our breath. You know, so I try to when we experience that frustration and agitation when we know we want our sons to bring home a beautiful chocolate sister to be their mate. But we look at and canvas his school and how he's been in the community that he's in, and we don't see no sisters that's of quality that you will even want your son to bring home, young sisters. We can't blame us so much. We still have right. to, we, I agree with Sister Capri saying that there are some mothers and there are some fathers who just con- completely abandon posts deliberately, deliberately. Mm-hmm. But we have mm-hmm. to also make sure that we, um, mitigate. We have to make sure that we um, we 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 compromise our frustration with our own people, with understanding the context of what we're living under. So that way, we're not so hard on ourselves. So that way, we're not screaming black on black violence without also highlighting institutional and individual racism as well. So we hey, got to keep you know that what? balance I, there. I, I, I want to bring this back to something that we said. We we had a uh, brothers' bill dinner. 
and I and I got a lot of flack from it at the table. Uh, but I, I'm gonna say this again, and Capri's a parent on. She's a parent, and she's on here. Uh, I, I would say this again, man. In a lot of aspects, I think the crackhead parent was. I could understand the crackhead parent better at the job they did of raising their children compared to a lot of the parents we have now. I, I think that the selfishness is so strong where it's all about self. It's less about family. The crackhead parent, I'm not saying that the crackhead parent was a great parent. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, a person who has a disease or or ailment because they're addicted to something, and then you take a person who has vanity, and all they think about is themselves when it comes to raising their child. We're talking about a child on their first childhood and an adult having the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth childhood. That's choking out, just like a weed would cho- choke out healthy plants. The parent is almost choking out the childhood of the of the child. Right, Capri? So yeah. when I got kindergartners telling me that they got to watch Empire with their mamas that night, and I see them coming uh-huh. in acting like Lucius Lyman or Cookie Lyman, right? I'm saying to myself, well, man, as a parent, you got to know that that's my, my children are, are older than these children. And my children aren't even watching Empire. You see what I'm saying? So I, I'm not going to lie to you. I watch Empire, but my kids know this is a grown-up show and you can't be here. Take your butt up right. here. I don't, I don't, I don't, because um, it's too much propaganda on TV, period. And I'm speaking more on the homosexual front, period. <laughs> On that end, it's too much sex on TV. It's too much homosexual homosexuality going on TV because, like, my sons already, they already, the, the Internet is just too easy. You know what I mean? I let my sons right. play, with they, play with the phone, and unbeknownst to me, they sitting up there hitting the speaker, and they done pulled up twerk video. What? How'd you get this? Oh, uh. Show me. Yeah. And they ate. So now I have to have a conversation with my kids, my eight-year-olds, and then have a conversation about girls that do these, about sex, why you need to not worry about sex right now, because I know your little, your little stuff is jumping, and why you need to be turned. Let me show you what diseases look like. Let me show you how to put a condom. I had to have this conversation with you early, because now you don't you found the Internet. <laughs> I got another sister who wants to who wants to jump on. Let me bring the sister Lanisha in. She's always rocking with Rant Radio. What's up, Lanisha? How you doing, sister? Good. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, we can hear you. Yep. Oh. Good. Welcome, Lanisha. Welcome, Lanisha. Thank you for calling. We really need your voice as well. We need you and Capri on. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling. Oh, my pleasure. I've been listening the whole time, but um, my son was doing his homework and stuff, so. Wasn't didn't want all the background noise and stuff, but how y'all doing? Loving the dialogue and loving the dialogue. That's always. Um, What's the current question? Let me let me frame my thoughts. So the question is about about black love. What does black love mean to you? Oh man, I knew you was gonna hit me with that one. Um. I mean, I saw I saw the um, video, and Adrian, I just want to say, beautiful job. Um, Thank you. And I actually, um, with Honora and Raquette, um, I actually worked for them um, when I was in high school. 
Uh, mm. I typed out their typed out papers and stuff at the U. So I've known them for a very long time. And right. so I was very happy to, to see them. So two beautiful couples that you highlighted. Um, awesome. Black love is so many things, like, and I feel like a lot of it has been said. Um, it has been um, a beautiful thing to see how it influences my kids, my children being able to see a relationship. Um, My husband and I have created a relationship that we've not seen demonstrated. And so um, the commitment that we have to each other, and I always talk about, like, people turning towards each other at the same time and not this, you know, I turn towards you, then I give up and turn away. Like, it's been this this commitment that we have, um, you know, the the historical, cultural understanding that you talk about, I feel like is is very relevant. And like, like I said, the it's a place where my kids um, grow from. And the, the comfort that I see in them, that they're free to just be them, is something that my, my husband and myself didn't know as kids. We had to be very grown up. And I feel like my kids are getting to have full childhood and see a healthy relationship and it's just fertile soil nice nice i think just to comment on that because uh, capri talked about it earlier and then now lanisha gives us that and she brings it home with that perspective of that black love definitely has an impact whether it's there or not the shaping of the family really impacts how our young people and ourselves grow up to understand black love and black matrimony. If the family unit is dysfunctional, if the family unit is not in place or imbalanced, it's not healthy, then it's very difficult for someone to grow into a maturation of understanding our selection of our mate and then being able to develop black love. So thank you. I really appreciate Capri and, you know, Lanisha being able to highlight that piece. I want to go back to a point that was made earlier. Um, uh, 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 Capri brought about her two sons, and we talked about, you know, the the daughters that she's seeing. And, and, and as a as an older, full-grown man, what I'm seeing with uh, women my age, um, one thing that my mom tried to do with my brother, and I, I believe that more young kids did it now today than they ever needed, was exposure. Just like kids can get exposed to the negative, they can get exposed to the beautiful things in life. And a lot of times, from a financial standpoint, that beautiful stuff is more cost-effective than, than, than the garbage. Um, I, I think prioritizing, and this goes back to what Thomas said, on what is important to the future of your child is, is, is squarely on the parent. I mean, taking that kid to the park, taking that kid to museums, taking that kid to see an HBCU tour. To putting them in contact. If, if your family, like my, my, my mom uh, and her husband, uh, my father didn't work out, but she definitely made sure that we spent time with my uncles who were happily married and my aunts who were happily married. When we got a chance to see a fully functioning black family, she never not once in my entire childhood went the way I'm living, the way I want you to live. She would always tell us, look, now I love you and your brother. Um, raising you is my life's joy, but it had been a lot more fun. It had been a lot easier. It had been a lot more amazing has your father been involved in the picture? So I didn't grow up thinking this is the way it's supposed to be. I feel like a lot right. of our kids, they need that exposure. We, we, uh, I know we, uh, we've managed to allow Cosby to be torn down, or maybe he brought it on himself, but 
we had those positive images. We grew up in the late 80s and the 90s. There was viewpoints of positive black love all over the place. In the midst of all the madness, there were examples. Nowadays, it's, 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 it's harder to find. So we really got to be active in, in allowing our children to see that, that it can be. If, if they're not seeing what they need to see from the little girls here, they get the little dudes out of state, out of town, church functions, school functions, so they understand, all right, maybe you might have to move to Alabama. <laughs> maybe it's in Mississippi. But I've been alive. I, I survived five winters in Minnesota by myself because I know if I don't find her here, she exists somewhere. Because I've been exposed. I, I know I know they are beautiful, strong, independent, intelligent, sweet sisters all across the globe. It's just a matter of finding my one. But I was exposed to that idea. It, it doesn't have to be an actual person sometimes. Just the idea of there's more out there than just what you see with your eyes. Well, you know, some, okay. somebody has said something uh, that I liked uh, on, with Adrian's uh, piece, and they were saying that, you know, uh, the one thing that you definitely need in a relationship is hope. And I and I agree with that. I, I think that hope is, is, is extremely, uh, you have to be, whether you're searching for love or you're in a relationship, you have to be able to see the future and be able to say, man, you know what, I hope that this right here can, can go as far as I need it to go. I hope that this 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 woman that I'm out here searching for. I'm hoping that this could be something that that's worth the wait. And uh, another thing I I want to you know point out too, and when it comes to you know black love in in the space that it is it's in right now, is that I want to say man, you know you can't skip the process. A lot of people are trying to, to skip the steps. The steps aren't. You you know I know they got this uh, singlepeoplemeet.com or all these other websites, but man that stuff is not rooted in, in our culture, and it's not rooted in who we are, and that's why why it will accept your credit card, while it will raise your hope level, you're gonna probably end up flat on your face, and part of that is because we have to be open up enough now to start back speaking to each other. A simple hello starts a long talk, and we have to be willing to meet and greet each other. And I'm saying this from brothers to sisters and sisters to brothers. Somebody saying hello to you, especially if they're saying it to you in a respectful tone. We have to start learn how to speak to each other because I've been places where it might have been you know, five brothers that are married, we're not even looking to date the sister. We might not even find the sister attractive. But we, we'll say, hey, sister, how you doing? And the look we get for just speaking. <laughs> and and then those same sisters are saying, well, I can't find a man. Well, man, you don't know, you know, you don't know if all five of us are married. You got to start at least speaking to brothers. It's just a, a little small superficial stuff. And but it's an accumulation of it, Adrian. That that's the problem. That's what I see. And we have this thing where I, I always see people saying that folks are thirsty. And my thing is, if you're thirsty and you're looking for a relationship, man, if a person asking for a cup of water, saying they thirsty, are we mad because they thirsty? Listen, if they want a drink, give them a drink. It is what it is. Right. 
<laughs> so I, I think, and I, I think there's some pieces there that you highlighted that's well, um, particularly in the, the 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 frozen tundra that we call Minnesota. The culture of black folks up here is very impersonal, and it's part of our ability to. It's part and parcel of our attempt to assimilate to this white northern. Norwegian, Scandinavian kind of culture of of reality that we live in. We're not as social, we're not as connected, and we're not as uh, friendly towards people um, as we uh, as towards Black folks as we normally would be in other regions. But then there's also the culture of uh, uh, over sexualization of and and uh, I would say abuse, uh, gender and and women abuse towards men. Um, I mean, men towards women, which has created a level of hostility towards how black women perceive a genuine gesture from a black man. It's difficult. It is difficult because I mean, you do have some sisters that are a little bit too available. So a brother would extend a genuine gesture that's completely platonic and non-motive, no intention, and the sister will completely make herself available in the wrong way, and you have to kind of really put some barriers on it. But then there's also sisters who have a harsher experience with black men and assume that just because a brother will say hello, good afternoon, hold the door, or something like that, they will misconstrue that gesture or behavior in a very hostile way. And I don't, I mean, I guess this is kind of me default. I always look for the medium or the mitigation behind it so I don't charge too much on our sisters who are victimized like that because we have too many brothers who constantly on player mode. We have too many brothers that's always going after sisters with the ill motive to try to tap. And we have to do a good job of checking brothers like that so they're not um, distorting and completely um, misconstruing genuine and authentic gestures from black men to women. And because it's like the whole thing. Black men use love to get sex and and this is just a Joanna Gajusel said this. Black men use love to get sex and black women use sex to get love. I don't necessarily buy that in totality, but I think he I think he did a good job of highlighting that black men will put up a certain type of gentle gesture which is ill motive to try to get one thing and that's some sexual interaction with his sister and once he get it and he feels comfortable that he got it the way that he got it, he pulls out of the relationship. And that creates a very hard track record for black men who is not on that mode and really just genuinely just like a good relationship and a good friendship with a sister. And the sister, because of her you know, experiences with those wrong brothers, can't view or see you know, that, that brother for a, a pure, genuine interaction. Now, I'm just speaking from my perspective, so please, Lanisha, Capri, correct me if I'm wrong. Or no, but I totally agree with, I don't know who you were saying that uh, comment came from, but I, I totally agree with the fact that, yes, black women are using sex to get love, and a lot of it comes from having daddy issues. 
and mm. black men are using the I love you bull because they know that's what a woman wants to hear. Me and my mm-hmm. ex used to go back and forth because he used to always say, so long as a man says he's gonna, he's willing to be your man, you're willing to go all in. And I used to tell him all the time, you have me completely misconstrued. And he didn't understand it until he got into a real relationship with me and understood. I really did. I don't fall for the just because you're my boyfriend, you get my whole world, and I, I'm blind to the world. But I know for myself that I have always struggled with a black man because of my relationship with my father. Because mm. my father is even to this day selfish. Mm. And he thinks of himself. Like, I'm a cancer patient. My dad barely ever calls to check on me. Mm-hmm. You would think he would call at least once a month. <laughs> Maybe every other week. But my dad barely ever calls to see how I'm doing. And my my aunt, she asked me, when uh, my grandmother just passed in October, and when I was there visiting, my aunt asked me, um, you know, how is your relationship now with your dad? And I said, I've come to understand that my dad is selfish. He is who he is. And he just does not know how to be a father. And so I don't go looking for his love, what I, what I expected his love to be. You get what I'm saying? Uh, you, know, you and your mind create, especially when your parent is not there. Because I deal with this with my son. You know, when, you're, when your father is not there, you create an illusion of my world would be this if he were here. And oh, that's the hero syndrome. The hero syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so when my father, I didn't meet my father until I was eight, and I met my father really only because my mother used to always roll through my uh, my dad's family city on the way to her family, and so that's how I met my grandmother. And because I was at my grandmother's house, that's how I met my father. Because who the hell knows when I would have ever really met him? Because like I said, mm. I didn't meet him until I was eight. And then when I met him when I was eight, he didn't come to meet me by himself. He brought his new wife with him. And he was more concerned with playing this bullcrap role than getting to know me. Because I even, to this day, I remember that he gave me my birthday card and my name was still wrong. Mm. Mm. I, my dad sent me some money to Western Union, I think it was last year or the year before, for my son. And because he always puts Capri Harvey, because Capri is my middle name, and that's really what I go by. But my driver's license is my first name is Dahlia, so they wouldn't release the money. And I had to go off on the lady like, look, my dad isn't a dad. He don't even know my first name, okay? And I just had to have, and sadly, I had to have this conversation with, with my kids' father. Book there. Bye. Because he, he does not know them, and he does not try to get to know them. And at this point, I'm, I'm in deep prayer 
because I am tired of him playing games with my kids and making fake promises about seeing stuff, seeing them, and all of that. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, I'm feeling like mm, maybe you need to just wait till they're 13 and they can deal with you on their on their own because for me and my health, my sanity, I can't do it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I can't do it because you're not you're not ready. You're not ready, and you don't know how to be a dad. And sadly, sadly, I ended up doing exactly repeating my my mom's history. You know what I mean? I got exactly. I picked my dad on accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, but and it goes back to the conversation about exposing your children to relationships. I make sure they're around married people. And I sat my sons down and I explained to them how I screwed up. Be married first. Mom messed up. And I think that's where a lot of people don't want to be honest with their kids and say they messed up. Look, I messed up in this in this order, and you should do it this way because the way I did it was so out of whack. And not to mm-hmm. say that being married guarantees anything, but you have a whole hell of a lot better chance than the way that I did it, you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and, I've, and I've explained to them. And that's why even my sons, they understand relationships to the point they're like, Mom, when are you going to get, when are you going to date? Because we want you to be married because we want a dad. And I'm like, mm. but I can't, I can't put myself into a position where I'm dating to find them a dad right now. I did that, and it did not work well for me. So until Whoever he is comes because when you deal with me, you got to deal with a whole lot. I have to be by myself, but mm-hmm. I will expose you to relationships of black people that are married. I will re- I will put you in with men that love you and that will help guide you. And I know as you get older and bigger, they'll bust your butt for me when you get too big. All of that, mm-hmm. but I can't. I, I'm. It's too many women that are doing that, and we are seeing it all over the media where men are coming into homes and beating their kids down and murdering these kids because women a lot of times are not only are they seeking love from a man, they're seeking a father for their children. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I can't do it. I I just wanted to jump jump back in and, and say this. I think that a lot of what 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 has happened uh to us as a people is because you know, and, and I always say this again, I, I talk about the bo- the borrow morality and the things that we find as morality, you know, um to what we should be doing in relationships and how we should be treating one another. I think at one point in time, we didn't want to be like pop culture. Our thing as black people is we wanted to do our thing, we wanted to be us, and we wanted to be different. And we we, we seem to thrive, in my opinion, better on, on the family side when we were doing that. We were more close-knit. We, before we wanted to have the big house, we wanted to have the big family. Before we wanted to have... Uh, the small car, we wanted to have the big vehicle so we can be able to drive around more family. Uh, I think when we were thinking along those ways, we were better off as a unit. I think that it was easier for men to, to find a woman like Capri 
and say, you know what, because family was the thing, well, look, man, I, I might be X amount of years old, and I might not be in the line to have any children, but she already has two boys, and I'm going to love her, and I'm going to love her sons like they're my sons. I think that we don't have the, the, that morality is no longer uh, as prevalent as it once was. And I can talk to Sister Anisha because she's on, and her husband, Mike, has been a great father to her children. And can I, I think just say that, something real quick? No shade, no tea, but so many brothers that are, let's say, of good quality, especially if they don't have kids, they don't want no woman with no kids. And that ain't no shade, no tea to nobody that's on here. But, oh, I don't, I don't blame you for how you feel. But it's a lot of brothers that don't want to date no woman with no kids, and that's just how they feel. And I'm okay, press, I that's how you feel, that's how you feel. I, I don't blame you for how you feel. You can feel that way. But... It is what it is. I didn't see it. I didn't see it with my own eyes. There's a lot of good brothers out there, but they just don't want no woman with no kids. And even though my kids is all about for me, and I don't have plans on having no more kids. Straight up. Mm-hmm. I, it is what it is. I think there are people for for every situation. I, I think there are lots of women that, that kind of count themselves out because they have kids and think that there isn't a person out there willing to do that. But, you know, for every person that, um, you know, might be looking well, for someone with no kids. Well, y'all know my situation. I have kids and I'm a cancer patient. I have a lot that you would have to deal with. I'm not the just you got to just deal with a with kids, I got, I'm, I'm a lot to deal with. So for me, right. I feel like I'm a different kind of person. So I don't really kind of put myself in the mix of everybody else because I'm not even going to lie to you. Even for my own sons, I would tell him, tell my own sons, you better tread very lightly and be very sure this is what you want because this life ain't no easy one. This ain't for no fickle person. <laughs> No, and I I 100% understand that. When I first met my husband, I had just found out that my uh, one-year-old son had Down syndrome. I also had a two-year-old kid. I was, you know, about seven months out of a relationship with their dad, and I kind of laid that out there to say, you know, I have a lot going on. This would be a lot for you to take on, expecting for him to say, Oh, that is a lot, you know, like every person before him, I hadn't given people a lot of time, you know what I mean? And that was my expectation that who was going to take that on. But he was, he saw something in me that he was willing to take it on. And, you know, seven years later, he, you know, we've been married for almost three years. He's been, you know, everything to these kids, like, you know, they expect that if they have an event, if they have a a sport sporting event, if they have parent teacher conferences, like it's default that their baby is gonna show up. Like that's just a given. And they're more than welcome to invite their dad. Like I've been working on I don't want them to um romanticize their dad. And uh-huh. when my daughter you know, when my daughter asked about him, you know, she's ten now. So I've been allowing that relationship, and I think it's actually helped our relationship for her to see that. And it's a struggle to have my kids experience the negative relationship, to have my son be treated different than my daughter, to have those kinds of things. But I'm learning that I need to, you know, trust in what I've done so far and realize that I can't protect them from all heartbreak. 
And right. I think overall that might that'll help them as they're older and have to deal with relationships or what have you. So I completely mm-hmm. – I was that person that didn't think I, – I mean, I thought that I was – Unlovable. I didn't think that my situation was I don't think that it's impossible. I, I, I don't. So please don't. I don't want y'all yeah. to hear that. I, I don't think it's impossible, but I just think that it is uh, going to take a very, very special kind of person. And I just, for me, I just have been so involved with my, with my health and my kids. I honestly, I don't be out like that. So I, it, I don't really meet people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I'm I'm gonna wait my turn. I don't I, I don't in no way feel like I'm not vulnerable or anything like that. I just know that it's gonna take a very very special kind of person to deal with my would come with me. Our pains match up for me and my husband, right? Like I think women, we talk a lot about what it feels like for us to not have our dad, but men have those issues too, right? I mean, it affects them differently, but you know. A lot of those things that I, I again are cultural specific and experience specific. But I think a lot that, of black men deny that they it affects them. For me, I, you know what? You know here's the thing. I, I, I would okay. say this. I would say that a lot of black men might deny a lot of things, right? But the flip side of it is the reality, and it's something that me, brother O, and um, Adrian and my wife talked about. A lot of the problems with a lot of these black men. And this is not, you know, I know when we say this stuff, this is we feel like we're trying to throw them under the bus, but this is a fact. A lot of problem with a lot of these brothers is they're raised by single mothers. And these brothers mm-hmm. are the man that their mama wants, and they're not the man that the women need that look like them. And that's part of the problem. These brothers do not like to take ownership because that's what they're taught by their mom. You don't have to own up for your mistakes because it's somebody else's fault. You steal the baby, all poor babies. You don't need to, you know, she's wrong. You know, you're not that bad of a person. And 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 a lot of that shapes a lot of a lot of these brothers' feelings even towards their father. So while they might deny and say that they're not affected by their father not being there because they'll say, hey, my mother gave me everything. The one thing your mother can't give you is those lessons, those intricate lessons on how it is to be a man. And no one can replace that. And I wish in society, I, I see this every June in the NBA when it's time for one of these young brothers to get drafted. And you see a lot of these brothers, they don't have their fathers. Their mothers is in attendance. Mom looks like she done, you know, it looks like mom's uh, debut. Uh, more so than a young man who's actually uh, getting drafted. She got a fresh uh, sleeve tattoo on. A uh, young man gives his speech. He talks about his mom every step. You rarely hear anything about fathers. And the first thing that happens when this young man gets money is every woman come out the woodworks to get his brother attention. And with that attention, he ends up being a victim most of the time because he doesn't have a father who can tell him those intricate details. You understand what I'm saying? So that's very important. And a father, you know, my father was very influential in my relationship with my wife. A lot of times when I would have problems, and you know, and I didn't want to, uh, you know, deal with certain things. My pops would always be the one telling me, talking to me about a lot of stuff that he could see my flaws, or he could see me, you know, being, you know, see some of the things that I would do that would be similar to him. And he would always remind me of the mistakes that he made. And I think that that's very important for young men. I think you need your father in your life for that. And women have to start allowing. Uh, if you don't, ha- if you don't have the boy's father with him, you, you got to start allowing other men to play that role and not be so possessive of that my child. Because what happens is this: 
when you got you got fatherless boys who are making a lot of bad decisions based off of the fact that they don't have their fathers in their life, it's going to be a lot of sorrow. It's going to be a lot of pain, and it's going to be pain not only for the mother, not only for the boy, but also for the women that they encompass. And that's one of the things that I find, uh, going back to interracial relationships, Adrian, is that a lot of black men have that baby boy ideology. Uh, we have a lot of brothers haven't grown up yet. And when they get the white woman, they're still looking for some woman to take care of them in a large aspect. And it take a lot of the BS that sisters won't take up with. So when sisters start telling them about themselves, they, they consider it as attitude. But no, brother, it's that self-check that you actually need in your life to make you a man. So I see a lot of brothers run from that. And I think a lot of that running comes from that baby boy aspect where my mama told me I was growing enough to do this. I don't have to grow up. So I think that we have a lot of balancing. And I will say this on a young lady's point. I tell my daughter all the time, I do not want my daughter arguing with boys. I don't want my daughter fighting with boys. She got two brothers and a daddy. If it's an issue that needs to be handled, she don't have to be. She doesn't have to deal with boys on that level. That's what she have us for. And after us, she has uncles, and then she has cousins. So she doesn't have to actually have to engage in boys on that level. I always want my daughter to be stay a young lady, stay respecting herself, stay loving herself. And I think that a lot of young girls are missing that in their lives as well. So I think that the father role uh, on, on a lot of the fronts, uh, that's the big missing piece in this love thing that we're struggling with as a people. And like Adrian said, I, a lot of that is systematic. A lot of that is set all the way back to slavery. I got a caller uh, that's on the line. Let's uh, get this caller in. Hey, thank you for calling Rad Radio. How you doing today? Uh, life is great. Uh, somebody washing dishes, huh? Um, life is great. Um, I just wanted to say this real quick while you you didn't have uh, while y'all going down on time. It's really crazy to me as a business owner who has uh, done a lot of events on Black Love. I have personally found through this mechanism, my business, that males are more honest for love in their verbiage and things they do versus the other gender who many a times comes across as opportunist. When some people try to articulate their points about black love, and I'll say what mine is. Mine is like, it's, it's, it's basically a dodo bird in a dinosaur age. It's a beautiful bird, but it's subject to be devoured by these dinosaurs because it doesn't realize how precious and kind of dumb it is. And these dinosaurs, single people, who use sex to be the new crack cocaine, they tend to down what's beautiful about this dodo bird because they're not the bird. You know what I'm saying? And, and and I think that's that's the sad thing with the whole black love uh, mechanism. I wouldn't have believed it until I ran this company and got to see decent brothers come to these events to try to sincerely run into sisters and how they were disrespected and treated at these upscale events that I threw. Uh, brothers for CNN, doctors, lawyers, and even and not all the brothers was right. But it just seemed like the worst brother 
women would gravitate toward him. And if that's the new dynamic, the dodo bird that is black love is not going to survive. I I I feel like it's it's equal. I feel like I see a lot of relationships where it's a um, good, a decent man with a woman that's scheming, or vice versa. I see a lot of you know these opposite attracts types of relationships or situations, um, and that leads me to ask. I mean, I don't I don't feel like men are more honest than women. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that one, but. Well, in, in in my business, we put on events for money. When you when you when you get out of the opinion theory and you're making something applicable, you get to see it for what it really is. It's kind of like selling real Mexican food food versus Taco Bell. Taco Bell is killing it. You know what I'm you saying? You know what? Sadly, I'm gonna have to kind of agree with you because I've had to have a conversation with. A couple of my friends where, because, uh, you know, the, the whole, he's too nice has come out of the mouth. And I say, what is too nice when you're treating with respect like we're grown now? It's not cute <laughs> no more. And then you want to cry because you can't have, I'm sorry, you're either going to have to get a thug or, or you're going to have to have the good guy. But to have this expectation that, you're gonna turn your thug into the good guy. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't I'm gonna change him. But, I'm gonna but change that's, him. That's people <laughs> lying to themselves, right? It, like it's less about them lying to someone else than it is them lying to themselves. Like if you well, say that you, if you say that you a fan of Mexican food, but you're looking for Taco Bell, what does that really say about you? And what you know, you're lying to yourself. But here's what I mean by honesty, and and the men on this line, I guarantee will agree with this with this sentence. Males tend not to marry the finest woman in the room. They more so go after who they enjoy coming home to, because You're most right males have seen their homeboys get burnt by pretty face and big titties. Mm-hmm. So, so so they're not so much interested in that, which is why women tend to say, why he with her? Because he enjoys coming home to her. While some, some, some ladies like Vivica Fox are still looking for that six-foot-fold, that, that, that image of what they want that makes them wet and hoping he becomes a family man. Men, right. even though we're not that bright, we don't get down like that. We we see a woman that looks like she's going to take home and the kids versus this fine chick over here, and we say, okay, what type of dude am I? Am I still the dude that want to hit everything? Or do I want, you know what, I'm going to go with homely Henrietta. I'm good. If that was true, then turning a hoe into a housewife wouldn't be a thing. Like, that's well, the lesson well, that people well, learn. It's not a thing. I'm going to have to say this because I did here and I worked in the barbershop. And I'm just gonna say this: You would be amazed at the at the women that men are married to. You may see them out, and they look like they're single, and they mingling with the prettiest girls. But they real their wives. You would never guess number one that they was married, and you would never think that their wife was their wife. And I have to say, hands down, I've seen it with my own eyes working at a barbershop. I've seen it. 
with my own eyes. He's not lying. So let me interject on that. So so let me interject on that. I think a lot of a large portion of that is this though, what we deem as beauty too. Because I think mm-hmm. for a lot of it, when you when you think about our natural aspects and what we deem as as beauty, I think a lot of sisters, and we've had this this roundabout Capri round around. I think mm-hmm. a lot of sisters have they think the European uh, features, uh, the European hair jobs, the, the all this Eurocentric stuff that sisters tend to cling to, that think that it will get you slept with, it will get you some likes on Facebook, it will get you mm-hmm. some followers on Instagram. It will not get you a damn husband. And sisters need to learn that. Sisters need to learn that the man that a brother want to marry is not the sister that's showing all her goods to the world. I don't care what your mama say. I don't care what your daddy say, how they might prompt you and say it's okay. The man that you, who's going to settle down with you, who's going to take that walk with you, even he's going to say, look, I can't be seeing you naked at night and the rest of the world and already saw you naked at night, during the day, at lunch, and everywhere else because you want to put this on social media, because you want to wear this out in the club. And I think that those homely women, homely Henrietta, homely Henrietta is more conservative. And for that brother, she's more supportive, A, and then B, she's more of, she speaks more to his nature than that sister that's trying right. to look like Halle Berry. So we have to ask ourselves as a people, you know, because like Brother said, this six-foot-four, dark-skinned, Magic Mike brother that sisters be talking about that they want. Listen, this is the reason why uh, athletes and actors and and, and singers and all these people have multiple women. Yeah, all women are attracted to them. We we grew up with that cat, that cat who all the women loved and he boned them all. He ain't trying to get married. Let me jump in on that. The brother just made a point, and I'm going to expound on it by saying this, ladies, and this is going to blow you away. That man that brother just described, he got over 20 chicks pregnant, just him. Not the other 99 chicks that live around those those 50 women. Not the other 99 brothers, I'm sorry, not the other 99 brothers that live around those 50 women. Just that no good cat. Some way, somehow, he is a magnet for a certain look. You remember that dude that used to get beat up in high school? Well, guess what? He go work out at the gym all the time now because that's his representative. And you know that dude that can't handle no pressure? He get a flat tire and he want to go ballistic and probably punch you in the eye? Well, guess what? He go to the tattoo shop to get a look. And I'm not saying everybody who fits that demographic. No, no, real talk. I'm not saying everybody who fits that demographic, but a family man, even with tattoos and working out. These brothers on the phone will tell you, he got a family man got to deal with being calculated. He can't open his mouth about everything. He can't get emotional about every problem y'all have because now he's leading. And and let me also make this point, and I'm, I'm going to share the mic. Look at the white man. Look at the sisters who go to white men. Those white boys got standards, and they don't waffle with that urban nonsense. You better be running, get head, cook, and work a good job. You don't see these white boys taking the worst of black women. Uh, 
I think the only thing I'd have pushed back on you with with that one is that, unfortunately, I live in a community where <laughs> I'm around a few white boys that are with those kids. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's not the general. No, no, no. I so agree. I agree. I think you have some valid points when you look at mass media, when you look at it probably in other cities. I think you tend to see white boys who go, who are with sisters, they tend to get a certain type of sister. And I think that's what you're kind of alluding to. Yeah, that's what you're alluding to. And I think, and this is my last comment. This has been a rich conversation and I have to get off because I have to uh, put some young ones to bed. Um, first, let me say, um, Anisha and um, Capri, thank you for sharing you story. It was deep, and I learned from it, and it, it offered to me more insight with your experience of how um, our, your relationship with your father deeply impacts how we select our mate and how that becomes like the grounds of how we select, you know, um, black men and, and nurture black love. I like the way the conversation has spent and going into the intricacies of how we select our mate and then the image that we also have um, in our minds with selecting our mate. And it's complex. Um, it's very complex because what the brother is talking about with his business, I think there's some valid pieces on what he's saying. I don't know if that's a, a, just my opinion. I don't know if that's a full scope to the perspective of how black men who goes and try to date black women. But I think in his particular business and his industry, he has, he's seen a demographic of black men who comes in and really try to gen, and that's their resort. They really trying to represent and find a way to find matrimony with a sister. And unfortunately the demographics that he's seen in that industry, the sisters aren't presenting themselves in an authentic way. I don't know if that's the full scope of how, black men and women are finding their connections with one another and finding ways to connect. But I think in that industry, that's what he's saying. I have more conflict with how um, those messages and those images of how we view ourselves is distorted, how we develop those things and how we tend to tell ourselves that this brother with the tattoos got the six pack he has to be a certain way. And if I get with him, he's going to provide. Because in some respects, I don't look at it so much of what our attraction is telling us to go after and what we're hoping to get. I look at it in a state, and as men and women, you know, put that piece on there, but I look at it as stage of where we're at in our development as womanhood and manhood. Because we assume too much that in our certain age, when we're looking at those images of what we think is an attractive woman and attractive man, we think we're looking at it from a mature sense of criteria. And most of the times, we still have an outdated 14-year-old image of what we view as attractive. We still mm. see, we, we're thinking this dude is attractive or this female is attractive based on the same standards that we have when we start popping our first nut, you know, or we right. start growing our first boobs and it hasn't right. really matured much. So we uh. get that criteria established and a little more grooved at 16 and 17 years of age. And guess what? It doesn't change. And now we carry that into our twenties and sometimes even on our thirties, evaluating brothers and sisters who we're hoping to date 
based on that same rubric that we had back in high school. And that's an indication of our maturation as men and women. And it becomes a deeper conversation of are we men? Are we real black men or are we boys masquerading as men? Are we real women or are we young girls masquerading as women now have three kids and now we're men who have three boys and have to pay child support? Are Where are we at in our manhood and how does that influence our selection of our mate in our older age. And I think as I, as I get off right now, it's been a really good piece, and it makes me definitely want to do another piece on black love because it has, I have to go into more of the intricacies of how our family, how the structure of our family, how our development of manhood and womanhood, and how those complex relationships of having children and wanting to date you know, how that play into how black love develops. I mean, it's I, I, me having children at a certain point and being single, I ran into barriers of sisters who were like, I don't date men who have children because I don't want to deal with baby mama drama and all of that that comes with it. And I don't think it's as pervasive as what black women go through, but I, it's still there for black men. So I think those deeper, complex things of how, all of those things play out and manifest in our community um, has to be still explored when we're talking about the nurturing, maintenance, and development of black love. Um, thank y'all so much for, you know, your contributions and your insight. Brother Thomas, thank you again for an awesome rant radio. I'm going to go ahead and sign out, but I got my iPad next to me, and I'm going to continue listening. Hey, you know what, brother? I just want to tell you thank you. Uh, for writing your piece, I, I just got your text. I apologize. I was man, I'm, I'm over here frantic <laughs> over some something else. But hey, brother, hey, great, uh, great piece. I want everyone. I'm going to post his blog again up on the uh, Rant Radio Facebook page. If you get a chance, check this blog out. Uh, definitely check out the video that comes along with it. Uh, I want you to really see the images and also read the words because here's the thing: Black love ain't just about the relationships. It's about how you relate to yourself. And, Brother Adrian, before you go, I just want you to co-sign on this. You're saying most of it is how you perceive yourself is how you're going to find that love. Is that what you're pretty much saying, Brother? It is. It is. And um, um, and I think some of the core pieces in the article is I'm just trying to highlight that there's a cross-connection between our identity and how we affirm ourselves and how we select our mates. And black love if that's a prerequisite to black love. You cannot nurture and develop black love in an environment where people hate themselves. You know, and like like one of the uh, brother Anur and sister Raquette highlighted, black love is multidimensional. There's levels to this thing. But part of that level is the consciousness that we have of ourselves as, a, as an individual and our ethnic makeup. And it's also levels of how we uh, connect and relate to the broader collective identity as a people. If you love being an African descendant, if you love being black, that opens up a whole nother door and a whole nother, nother possibility of awareness to be able to experience another black person in a relationship and allow you to fully set other seeds and nurture a powerful love that you cannot get with any other person across the earth. And that's what I'm highlighting with this. It's deep. We're talking about a love that is rooted in experience, is rooted in history, is rooted in culture, is rooted in values that only can be pulled out 
with you having that affinity and connection with somebody from your own ethnicity. And that's what I'm trying to argue with the basis of black love. Once again, thank y'all so much. My brother who just called in, thank you. Brother Olu, Sister Lanisha, Sister Capri, and definitely Brother Thomas. I really appreciate you, man. Peace. Hey, man, brother, I love you, man. Thank you. And and you know what? And for everybody... And for everyone else that's on, I, I definitely want to just tell you, I thank you all for uh, calling in and uh, being a part of uh, the show today because here's something that, that I, I, I tell you, man, the more that I'm, the older I get and the more I'm here in this, this town, I see less and less of us taking us serious. I really do. And it used to be that we really was about each other and we really wanted to support each other. And I now I think that. we I, I think we use a lot of logic to go for self when it whether it's about relationships or whether it's about uh, uh just, you know, being good just being a good person in general. And black love is, is what it's rooted in, you know. Capri, I, I hear your struggles about, you know, you what you're trying to do with your boys and, and, and finding that mate and finding that role model. Um uh, brother, oh, I see what what, you, what you're saying about having the struggles of looking for a woman in, in the frozen tundra, and it and it's hard because, like Brother Adrian said, hey man, people here, uh, they they're about as cold as the weather. Uh, you, it's kind of hard to have a warm conversation. And how is it like that where we can sit in a place and we can see both black men and black women refuse to have conversations with each other, but a white person walk up, they're extra friendly with their conversation. Yeah. Or if a Mexican uh, walk up, we're extra friendly with our conversation. We're more friendlier to everybody else, including, I want to throw this in here, including our African brothers and sisters from a, from across the the way, then we are with one another. So we have to think about that. And why are we that way with each other? When before, it used to be downright rude for if somebody walked up to you that looked like you and said, hello, brother, or hello, sister, how you doing, for you not to respond. So we have to get with, get with that, and, and we got to face the fact that social media has made us collectively more antisocial towards each other. And we're looking more for booty calls than we are looking for relationships. If you want a relationship, brother, sister, do it the old-fashioned way. Walk up, have the conversation, and talk. But that's Rant Radio for this week. I want to thank you all, man. I appreciate y'all. Now I got to get on UPS, who said they dropped off my package, and I wasn't. I was here and didn't see my damn package. So uh, thank you all. I got to get, you know, these white folks, man, always playing with a brother like me. I don't know how everybody always want to play with me and play with my stuff. But we got to go find my stuff. So y'all enjoy it. And and let me tell you, if you have never listened to Rant Radio next week, I'm going plumb the fuck off about the stuff that's going on around here locally. Let me tell you why. It's time to start calling people out. We got too many people who be cheering these fools on social media and in the communities, and they're not calling these people out. They told you to, they told you to uh, back up this lady, this mayor. They all were supporting her last year with this finger gate. Remember, we talked about that. They all wanted to support her, but when it was time to stand up with our people, she turned her back on us. She sold us out. And a lot of our people told us to back this woman. Those same people need to fall on their damn sword and shut the hell up. Same thing with Blong Yang. 
So next week we're going to talk about this. What is the point of an activist? Are you in this to, to be an activist for the rest of your life or you're looking to solve problems? We got too many lifelong activists who are telling us about things but are never finding solutions. It's time to tell those people to shut the hell up and sit their asses down. Next week we're going to talk about that. I done had it up to here. The Jamar Clark shooting, I am tired of us as a people fighting with each other while white folks are executing us every day, and then we're executing each other. Part of the problem is because the people who are supposed to be the leaders, all they care about is the attention they get or the money that they get up under the table. It's time to take them all and throw them in the trash. Tune in next week and watch how I do it. I'm not going to call nobody out by name because I gave my word. I'm not going to call you out by name. But I will bring up the people that you told us to support, I'm going to bring up the policies that you told us to support, and I'm going to bring up how they have been ineffective for our people. It's time for us as a people to start bringing out new politicians. It's time for us to bring out new activists and tell the people who got this, these reps telling you that they engaged some a job. How the hell are you going to give somebody a job with somebody else's money? It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Yeah, think about that. Somebody saying, I got jobs for the people. How the hell you get jobs for the people when you giving it with some white folks' money? If you got, How the hell can you give somebody a job when your ass ain't got a job? Think about that for a second. The only person that can give a person a job is a person who got a business. If you ain't got no business, how do you give people jobs? See, they're going to keep playing around Capri, and that NFL going to stand for not for long. All right, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I will rap with y'all next week. Next week. Good day. Thanks, everybody. Well, good night. <laughs> no. All right. Thank y'all. All right. Peace. Peace.